about to Acts, the 16th chapter. We'll begin reading in verse 10. Do you have it? And the word of God reads, after Paul had seen the vision, matter of fact, let's begin reading verse 9. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, begging him, come over to Macedonia or Cape Town and help us. I'm not going to really preach about that, but who knows, you know, I just got back, I, I, I could get going on that. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready, when, or some translations say immediately, to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. From Troas, we put out to sea and sailed straight for Samanthras, and the next day on to Nagopolis. From there, we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony and the leading city of that district of Macedonia. And we stayed there several days. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river, where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth from the city of Thyatira, who was a worshiper of God. She wasn't quite saved yet, but she was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. In other words, I want to be a server. I want to be a giver. I don't want to just be a taker. Please allow me. Let me be a giver. Persuaded us. Father, we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. In verses 9 and 10 of Acts chapter 16, we see Paul receiving what we might term or call a vision of grandeur. Okay, he's beckoned. Matter of fact, the man is begging him, not only begging him, to come to Macedonia. And the man from Macedonia appears to Paul and Paul and his entourage, his company, they take off immediately and assuredly that God had called them to go there. That's what the Bible says. Okay? They leave on a high note with high hopes. Now, it's important to understand that the thing that got Paul to go and, and, and leave immediately was a cry for help. And I believe this is a sign of a genuine minister. When somebody you know, is asking for help, they see the need and they fill it. That's what I've said vision is, seeing the need and filling it. And I, I believe this is a mark of a, of a genuine minister. Whenever he sees a need, he wants to be there. Uh, and so they respond immediately to their cry for help. Now, the body of water and the body of land that Paul and Timothy and Silas and Luke, that they had across had been crossed a number of times by a number of notable conquering soldiers. Are you with me? Stay with me here. A number of, of soldiers and armies had crossed that body of water and land before. So I can imagine that Paul and his entourage, they also felt a heavy sense of spiritual destiny as a coming into Philippi. 
Okay, in other words, they felt like soldiers under command. They felt like an army or, 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 or a troop. They felt like, a, like, like the team of eight going to, to uh, uh, South Africa. All right, destiny. That's how they had to feel. I know that when we went to Manila, a lot of people have gone to Manila. A lot of people have gone. But we were going, we had felt on a Macedonian call at that time. Uh, Pastor Richard and Pastor Daniel and myself. And also the team going to South Africa. I know they had to feel this. It's a sense of, of, of destiny about, you know, nobody from Victory has been there yet. We're going to go there and we're going to go uh, create, a, uh, you know, the, the grounds and the foundation for a new church, Victory Outreach. And they had every right to feel that sense of dignity or destiny, should I say, uh, going there. That's the way Paul felt. He feels the Macedonian call to leave Israel, to leave, you know, uh, Jerusalem, to leave, you know, uh, Palestine and go now for the first time to Europe. This was the gospel being broken open in Europe. And Paul and his company, you know, were, were a part of it. They felt that, that destiny. But when they get there, the Bible says, there was no fanfare there. There was no media people waiting for them to greet them and to meet them. There was no band. There were no dignitaries. There were no people that were waiting with tithing envelopes. Uh, that's one of the jokes we say sometimes to guys that are going to go out to the Pioneer of Work and say, oh, brother, they'll be waiting there for you with tithing envelopes. Just, just go. No, 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 no. It's, it's not like that at all when you're going to Pioneer, when you're first starting. That's the way my wife and I, but we, we understood that. We know that. Uh, there, was, there was not a big crowd like there was yesterday. Uh, you got to go by faith. Uh, trusting and depending upon God. That's the way they went. Uh, Verse 12 says that they were there several days. So Paul, no doubt, what he does is he checks out and he cases out the, the place, the city. And he comes to realize that there's no Jewish sanctuary there. Back in those days, in order to have a Jewish sanctuary in your city, and this was a major city, they needed to have at least 10 Jewish men that were a part of that church before the Roman government would allow them to build a synagogue, Okay. A place of worship. So there was none there. In other words, that's why when they go there, they encounter women. Paul says, man, I'm, you know, I heard a man call me. A Macedonian man. But when he gets there, a bunch of ladies. Hi, Paul. <laughs> ah. See, because the Bible says that Paul's custom was to preach the message of the gospel to the Jew first. To go to the synagogue. That's the way he operated. Matter of fact, when you look at the, the next chapter, when he gets to, to Thessalonica, he, there's a Jewish synagogue there because there was more than 10 men there, but not in Philippi, a major city. In other words, the devil was pretty much having his way there. Not that women are not important. They're very important. But in those days, they, you know, men look down in a sense to women, but God never does. See, Paul does learn there though that the Roman government has assigned and designated a certain riverbank as a meeting place for prayer for any and all Jews, okay? That's what's given there. They're assigned a riverbank where they can go pray. So as Paul gets to the riverbank, he finds a small group of women worshiping and praying to God. Now, Paul's vision of grandeur, it could have been shot and could have been shattered. Oh man, where's all the men at? What's happening over here? After having a, a vision of a Macedonian man calling him, okay, to go help them. See, Paul, he probably expected a great crowd of people that he could preach to. I mean, look at when Peter preached. Remember the, Peter's first sermon? 3,000 people got saved. But there was more than that. Peter's second sermon? 5,000 get saved when the gospel breaks out. So Paul's probably figuring, oh man, 
Now, I don't know if you've ever been to a rally or something. When you, you, know, you know, that's why we say there's no such thing as a sure thing when you're involved in ministry. There's no such thing as a sure thing. If you're going to be involved in ministry, learn that. Uh, I mean, we've, when we did the first time we did uh, California Gangsters in Manila, Richard rented a place at 4,000. The first night we had maybe 1,800. Uh, I think it's at more than 4,000, matter of fact. I think it's at about 7,000. It was big. Uh, and Pastor Sonny was there. And Pastor Sonny was used to you know, going down to Bogota, Colombia, 17,000 people for California gangsters. Uh, Puerto Rico, uh, 13,000 people. All, all these, you know, uh, Venezuela, 11,000 people. Now he goes to Manila, 1,800 people. Uh, the big old, you know, a bunch of white seats checking you out. Uh, that's why there's no such thing as a sure thing. Richard thought, oh, it's going to be like Bogota. It's going to be like, oh, yeah. Oh, no. Uh, but we've told, we said it before, we weren't there to build a crusade. We were there to build a church, and it's happening. But a lot of times you get like that. You're expecting, you know, visions of grandeur. I mean, wow, if Peter preached to thousands, I can imagine how it's going to be when I get to Cape Town. I imagine how it's going to be when I get to, to, to you know, uh, over here to Manila. I, I can imagine how it's going to be when, I, when we get, you know, to Philippi. Oh, they're going to be waiting there. No, there was nobody. So you get a little bit disenchanted at times like that. Uh, because Paul was used to speaking to large crowds himself. But now his first opportunity to preach, and preach there in Europe, is before only a handful of people, and they're all women. Huh? That's what he finds. That's what he encounters. But the Bible says regarding Paul that he never shunned anything back pertaining to the gospel. He took advantage of every opportunity, as you and I need to do so as well. Uh, so he no doubt proceeds to give it all that he has. He preaches hard out. And as he preaches the gospel for one of the first times, or the very first time in Europe, one lady, but she was a key lady, Lydia, that's what we're going to be talking about today. She opens up her heart to the gospel, the Bible says, and she gets saved. She becomes converted. The Bible says, despise not the days of Zechariah 4.10, despise not the days of small beginnings. Don't ever look at it and say, oh man, especially when people are preaching. Anytime you're going to preach, some of you are preachers, some of you are going to be preachers, but every time, 99.99999% of the time, when are you going to preach? You say, how many people are going to be there? That's waiters. Who's going to be there? How many people are there? Uh, you know, forget about that. I, I, I've told you before, some of the best times I've ever spoken, I feel, uh, I think I, I spoke one time, there was nine people in Redwood City, years ago. Uh, two men and seven women. That was it. And I, I, was, I was like, you know, I'd come up from L.A. and we were spotting the new work. And I was, you know, and I, you know I was upstairs praying. Where are we going to have church? Where are we meeting at? Downstairs. So I came to church. I walked downstairs. And there were two men. And one of them was a pastor. Uh, and then some women. Uh, all right, you know. Didn't even need a mic. Uh, and, but I'll never forget it. Man, the anointing, just, God just started to move. And I said, hey, I gave him my all. Uh, I preached for two hours. No, 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 no. And I've told you about the time when I spoke at YA and only one guy got saved. But it was worth it. Despise not the days of small beginnings. When it comes to ministry, don't, don't look at all that stuff. Do what God has called you to do. Whatever your hand finds it to do, do it. What did Lydia find to do? You look, look what she had done. She, what did her hand find to do? She was good with a needle and a thread. That's all she had. Needle and thread. But God used her anyways. Um, see, God has a way of starting small. 
but then doing great, large, and glorious things. Uh, so that he and he alone will get the glory. Uh, I mean, when God started, you know, he, when he picked the Jews, they were the least of all the nations, the Bible says. Even our ministry, Victor Irish, we started with just small, you know, just a few people. In East L.A., just, you know, just a small little place. When you think about it, what God has done through Pastor Sonny and Sister Julie, wow, it's mind-boggling. We're a denomination. We're a legal denomination today. We're, 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 we're going all over the world, but it started with just two people. That's it. This work here in Hayward, just two people. Huh? Despise not the days of small beginnings. God knows what he's doing. Uh, see, in the case of Lydia, that's the way the gospel began, okay, in the continent, the whole entire continent of Europe with a woman, a businesswoman who knew a good deal when she saw one. God knows what he's doing. Uh, he, look who he picks. He picks a lady who's a businesswoman who knows a good deal. When she, and usually that's the way ministry starts. It's usually with ladies. Ladies are, are not dumb. I'll tell you why. Before you say. It's called process of elimination. I don't know if you understand that. You got burned, 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 you got burned. You got burned, you got burned. So finally, when the genuine article comes along, hey, 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 you know, this is a genuine article because I know what's not. Uh, They know. And when Paul came with the gospel of truth, the message, Lydia said, that's it. She was a worshiper of God, but she wasn't converted yet. She wasn't saved. She wasn't born again. She hadn't opened up her heart yet until God opens up her heart. You're not going to be saved until God opens your heart or you open your heart to God and let God come in. The reason I don't use drugs anymore is because one day I did like Lydia. I opened up my heart. I invited Jesus to come into my life. I said a small prayer. And then I got up and I said, man, I'm not the same person no more. Something, something's inside of me. You know, you know, Steve wants to go this way, but the Holy Ghost wants to go this way. Uh, Steve wants to leave the home, but the Holy Ghost wants him to sit down. Uh, that's what happens when you open your heart to God. It started with a woman who knew a good deal when she saw one. Uh, it's like I said, women are usually like that. They know a good bargain. And when they find a good bargain, there's no hesitation, no procrastination. They get it. Go shopping with my wife. She, I know. Uh, and she knows it. That's it right there. Now, I'm, you, all of you know I, I like to shop. But I'm just, I, I just, the reason I take my time is because I don't know how. I'm like, you know, the Josie knows, she's already process of elimination. Women know. They know what they want. They know if it's a good price. They know if it's not. They've already been studying about that. They've read all those, you know, things that come on the Sunday newspaper. They got it down. That's a good bargain. Uh, I mean, I go to a store with my wife. I want to stay. And, you know, I'm barely getting going. She's gone. Let's go. Man. Uh, Women knew a good, that's why God picked Lydia. See, Lydia was quite a woman. God doesn't just randomly pick people when he's about to do something eventful and significant. Not at all. That's the way God operates. He, remember, we, we studied about when God picked Mary to be the mother of Jesus. He, he didn't just go over this one, this one. No, no, no. He knows who to pick. Uh, he knows who. And he picks Lydia for a reason, for a purpose. Lydia, the Bible says, was a seller of purple, which amounted to 
doing business with royalty and with dignitaries. She dealt with a people of means, okay? The purple or the crimson linen was produced by a dye, and it was used primarily by kings and wealthy, a wealthy class of people. And that's who she dealt with. She was a, a dealer, not a drug dealer, okay? Some of you, you know, you know of purple! Purple linen that, that came through a fire. That was expensive uh, 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 cloth and clothing that she was dealing with. So she dealt with, with the hierarchy, okay, the, the Donald Trumps of her day. That's what she dealt with. She was a businesswoman. Uh, matter of fact, I mean, there was a lot of businesswomen. Uh, I mean, you know, Deborah was a businesswoman. Miriam was a businesswoman. She hung out there with, uh, with Aaron and, and Moses. Uh, they, were, they were pioneers in their field. And so was Lydia. So Lydia was no slouch. When it came to the things of the secular business, she understood. Lydia's business took her a number of places. Listen, God chooses who he uses. There's a scripture that I read when I was in the home, and, I, and I've used it before here. And, and it really verifies what I'm saying here. I was reading, I remember sitting down, almost to the day. I used to go to the back of the men's home. We had a big yard there. And we had a, matter of fact, we had a dog called Big Head. And Big Head would come. I used to like dogs in those days. He'd come and he'd sit right here next to me. Uh, and I'd get in the chair and I'd, and my wife knows, I would, you know, you know how guys sit in chairs? I'd lean back. That's my wife always put, I don't do that too much because she's taught me. But at that time I wasn't married. Uh, I didn't. So I was leaning back. I'll never forget when I read that scripture in Romans where it says, Jacob I loved, Esau I hated. And I knew that was God speaking. And I said to myself, God, God loved Jacob, but he hated Esau. I thought God is love. I thought God loved everybody. But I just kept reading. I said, well, this is too heavy for me. You know, I, don't, I don't want to deal with this. Then one day when I got to Hayward, uh, we had a small church and I was studying and I got to that scripture, and I really, really started to, you know, get in depth there and, and find out what it meant. I, I, I snapped to what, what it meant. It had nothing to do with emotion, that scripture. It had nothing to do with, with love. It had to do with choice. So I equated to the fact that God chooses who he uses. If you want to be used of God, God's picky. God's not going to just, you know, if, if you just come to church and, you know, every blue moon and God used me. Sorry. Ah, you have to prepare yourself for the master's use. Uh, you gotta get, you gotta equip yourself. Uh, Lydia was ready; she was prepared. That's why God chose her. Jacob, I loved, I used Esau. I hated because of Esau's background. God can't use Esau. Esau was a man in the streets. He was always he was a, we call him Spanish callejero. He was always out there hanging out with you know with the fellas and and big six and throwing dice. And how, how's God gonna use somebody like that? The Bible says he was a hunter. He was a man of the fields. What was out there? God can't do that. Ah, God chooses who he uses. But Lydia took care of business. And she took her business a number of places. Even Philippi was not her real home. The Bible says she was from Thyatira. She was traveling. Ah, she, was, she, she was a woman about business. Hallelujah. God's business. She was a woman of commerce. She had to be sharp. Okay? She, she had to be. See, a number of women can identify with Lydia today, today, okay, because now we're living in a day and a time where, where thank God for, for the strides that, 
you know, Virginia Slims, hallelujah. Uh, women have come out and, and done all these things, but it's way back here in the Bible. Uh, I mean, now women are all in politics. They make some of the best politicians. They make, I mean, these women are, thank God. We, I mean, women have built the biggest church in, in the world. 750,000 people belong to the biggest church in Seoul, Korea, and is populated mostly by women. My God, honey, you, oh, she's going to preach tonight. That's right. She's going to preach tonight. Uh, listen, ladies, if the men don't want to do it, follow. Uh, come on, help us. We're going to do this thing. We're going to do this thing. It's going to get done. And if the men don't want to do it, hey, you put your hand to the plow. We're going to knock down these walls. Uh, yeah. Right, ladies? Yeah. And gentlemen of the jury? Yeah. All right, all right, all right. All right. Uh, see, Lydia was a corporate person. Uh, if she was around today, she'd be in the computers, probably. No doubt, no doubt. She'd be, you'd have her email all over the place. Probably up in some billboard. Lydia, the color purple. Forget Oprah, hallelujah. Uh, www. Uh, she would. The only thing sloppy about her would be her discs. Hallelujah. Uh, her sloppy discs. Do they still use those? The only thing sloppy. <laughs> I don't even know how to turn a computer on. Uh, I wait for it. I have my wife. Praise the Lord. Uh, she's my Lydia. But the key. Stay with me now. The key that I want us to look at here regarding Lydia was that success, listen to this, success had not gone to her. Success had not gone to her head because she had a good heart. It hadn't gone to her head. And she rubbed shoulders with, with dignitaries and kings. But it, it, she was a humble individual. Uh, and that, that's so key. Matter of fact, let me just, I got some time. Let me tell you, I think I said this one before, but I'm going to stop here for, about the, remember the two frogs and another one frog, and he hung around with the geese. Okay, you don't. I'm going to tell you about it. Uh, he was a frog that he, you know, he, he hung around with the geese. You know, he hung around with all the, the geese boys. You know, and he, but he couldn't fly, and he wanted to fly. Was every time they'd leave, he couldn't leave with them. He just, you know, ribbit. See you later. But one day he thought of something real nice. He got a piece of wood, and he stuck it in his mouth, and he put. Two geese on the side said, listen, take off. When you go, I'll fly with you. Ah. And so the geese said, yeah, we'll, we'll try it. So he put the piece of wood on. <laughs> Two geese on the side. And, he, you know, it's a little heavy, but they start doing it. They start flying. They take it. And he's going up there. And he's like, you know. Then all of a sudden, this old couple, look, and say, Mildred, look at that. A frog flying. I wonder who thought of that. And the frog said, I did. <laughs> Stay humble. <laughs> Stay humble. Because uh, that'll really keep your feet on the ground if you don't, you know. Uh, aye, aye, aye. God has a way of keeping our feet on the ground. Uh, in other words, she had a good heart, so it didn't get to her head. See, though she lived and rubbed shoulders with some crude, rude businessmen. She had not become crude and rude herself. Uh, she guarded her heart for out of it under the issues of life. I mean, when you're going to deal with businessmen, they, they can get crude and shrewd dudes. Terrible guys. But she wasn't like that at all. She was a worshiper of God. 
She had not become what I would call mannish. And a lot of ladies, that can happen to you. You ever seen girls that turn into like men? Especially in the hood. When you get some girls... Because they, they hang around with the fellas. Uh, they want to play baseball, you know. That's okay, I guess. That's okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. But, you know, they, 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 they play better than the dudes, you know. Uh, but not her. She guarded her heart. She knew who she was and who she wanted to be and how, who she could be. Uh, see, the world had not gotten to her. That's a big key of the sermon. The world hadn't gotten to her. Uh, she held her own. Bible says... She was a worshiper of God. The rules of this world had not gotten the better end of her. Matter of fact, look at Proverbs 11.22. Scripture that I've read before. Matter of fact, this is a scripture. There was two scriptures that when I was single. Remember guys, I think I mentioned this before. There was two scriptures that I, I used to give to single girls. That, want, that I maybe wanted to pass my test. I had a test. This was one of them. I gave it to Josie. She passed. So she got to marry me. The have Proverbs 11.22? Like a gold ring in a pig's nose is a beautiful woman who shows no discretion. I used to have the Living Bible version. It says, like a fine, the Living Bible says, like a fine gold ring in a pig's snout is a woman lacking discretion and modesty. Uh, in other words, you can, be, you can be beautiful, you know, yeah, and you know, all decked out, but if you ain't got no discretion or no modesty, wow. What do pigs like? Anything. Where do their nose hang out? In the dirt. So that ring's going to get dirty because uh, their nose is always in the dirt. Uh, but that had not happened to, to Lydia. Uh, she was a wonderful woman, but her nose didn't hang out in the dirt. She kept her nose in the air where it belonged, worshiping God. Uh, see, God wants to use people that, that guard their heart. Uh, that, that's what God did here with Lydia. She did not let the world's business, you know, become her priority. God's business was her business. See, but unfortunately, here in this portion of Scripture in Acts 16, unfortunately, okay, the only business that God had, the only business in town that God had was down by the riverside. That, that was the only business in town for God. Down by the riverside. There was no great cathedral for God. There was no great building for God. There was no great crowd in Philippi during that time. Yet Lydia was a type of person, okay, who... You know, who would accept whatever that was offered to her. And she used it for God's honor and glory. Uh, in other words, look, look what she did. She was smart. All she could do was use a needle and thread, probably. But that's how she got into business. Whatever was offered to her was what she would use. You know, and I've, sometimes when it comes to Pioneer, and I tell people when they go out to Pioneer Works, uh, uh, you know, go with the hand God has dealt you. Because a lot of times when people go out and they want ministry, you know, well, I want to have a big Bible study. I want to have, you know, and we try everything to, to get a big Bible study, to get a big, just go with the hand God has dealt with you. What God has put in your hand, use it. Whatever your hand finds it to do, do it with all your heart. 
Because I've seen people go out there and they all, they want this, they want that, they want all this stuff. Uh, but if God has given you two tools, play it off. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. Maybe none of you ever played cards before. Uh, there's a movie called Rounders. I don't know if you said it. That was the guy, they make the rounds of all the card games. That's why it's, it's a pretty good movie. Uh, Matt Damon. As this guy, Matt Damon, you know, if you, I don't know if you've ever seen that movie. The reason he was good and always won because he never gave it up in his face. He could have a pair of two twos and everything. The other guy could have three kings, and, but he could make it look like he was going to beat the dude. Just with his face. Uh, and, and the same thing, don't, don't, don't give it up. If you've got two twos, I race. Ooh. Uh, hey, you got God on your side. If God before you, who can be against you? Use whatever God has given you. All she had was a little prayer meeting down by the riverside, and she took it. Uh, that's all. Despise not the days of small beginnings. Whatever God has given you to do, use it and do it. See, Lydia made a business of Christianity, of Christianity. That was her business. Her first priority was Christianity. That should be our first business, Christianity. Matter of fact, right after her conversion, the Bible says, right after she's baptized, she takes the people and the church to her house, to her home. Uh, in other words, she started her own care group. She started her own home Bible study. Uh, see, once you study there, uh, you know, about the city of Philippi and the book of Philippians, you, you're able to see the maturity that came and that evolved out of that city, and it began with a woman. The book of Philippians is a beautiful, beautiful uh, book. But the key person in that city was a woman named Lydia. God chooses who he uses. She was, in a sense, like the cornerstone of that church for Christianity in that city. It began with a woman of faith, a woman of God. See, Lydia had the same zeal for the things of God as she had for good business deals, and probably more. Uh, see, that memorable morning that Paul comes down to the riverbank, Lydia wasn't probably expecting nothing like that. She was probably felt, well, another prayer meeting, I got to go over there. But all of a sudden, there is a man, a man of God, sent by God to Macedonia, and she, she captures it, she sees it, and she opens her heart, and she gets touched. She thought it was just going to be a regular service, like some of you may be here today, just another service. But the key was she opened her heart. Uh, open your heart to the things of God. And watch what God can do and will do. Uh, see, Lydia was not too proud to seek and to ask for help. And, and she allows Paul to help her. Uh, like I said, she knew a good thing when she saw one. How about us? How about you and I? See, most men are not like that. Men are not like that, okay? Women are like, like I, I, I mentioned earlier, but not, not, not men. See, the Bible doesn't say that there were any men at all present at that riverbank. None at all. No men. Only women. Probably all of the men were probably at the gladiator games. Uh, or, or watching the, you know, hey, the Niners, go Niners. I mean, I trip out. Every time somebody gets behind you, you know, because my, I don't have a team up here. That's probably why. But anytime Esteban gets behind her, somebody says, hey, the Raiders, and all the Niner fans go, whoa. Uh, that's the way our church is. And somebody says, Niners, and all the Raider fans go, ah. You guys get excited about things, but get excited about things of God, too. Yeah. Ah, man. 
Seems like the men, oh, yeah, yeah, go, Rams. Uh, go back to L.A. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do something. See, men by and large are not always in the best of places. Uh, they're not. They should have been by the riverbank, but they weren't there. The women were there, but not the men. Ah, uh, man. See, you know that there's 20 times more men in prison than women? But that doesn't mean that's a good place to be, ladies, right? <laughs> men aren't that smart. Hey, everybody's going to prison. Ay, ay, ay. Ay, ay, ay. But thank God that, you know, you know, a lot of women are getting saved, but thank God also that, that men are starting to snap to the fact that, hey, church, church, church is where it's at. Uh, serving God with an open heart like Lydia did, that's where it's at. Uh, so in the story here with Lydia, we see Paul was not discouraged over small beginnings and small crowds, nor was Lydia. They weren't just a small little, but they weren't, you know, all bent out of shape. Well, it's too small. Oh, the turnout, there's 9 o'clock. It's not that much here today. Uh, we used to have more people than 9 o'clock. They didn't get all discouraged. Uh, they steered the course. They stayed on course. See, Lydia's sharp attention brought out the best in the Apostle Paul. I don't know if you understand what I'm trying to say. In other words, they're, they're having like service, they're having a prayer meeting, they're having church. And all of a sudden, I mean, there's nothing like when you're preaching and people are paying attention. Right. It brings out the best in you. That's what Lydia was. And Paul says, man, I dig it here. I don't care if it's just ladies. Uh, ladies and ladies of the jury, Hallelujah. Uh, hear ye, hear ye. The Lord thy God is one God, but he got down. Uh, what a service and sermon that must have been. And she opened her heart to God. Then lastly, Lydia begs, the Bible says, begs to be a giver. Wow. She says, I want me, you know. And, and you know when a lady gets it in, in her heart to do something, you're going to do it. Uh, she begs. She probably wouldn't let the apostle Paul go. Ladies, line up. Don't let him go. We got to begin. He's got to go to my house. He's got to go to my house. He's he going to my house. I don't care what he says. I don't care what he says. He's going to go to my house. Uh, we're going to start a church in my house. No, 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 no. Come, come on over here. Uh, she was adamant. She quickly becomes uh, not a taker, but a giver. She develops a passion for service. This, as I said, was a cornerstone for the church in Philippi, which went on to, great, to be a great missionary-minded church. And the key key was that she used as I said earlier, whatever she had at hand. Uh, just at hand. And all she had was a piece of thread and a needle. But that piece of thread and that needle helped make the difference in her world. What is in your hand? What is it you have that you can do? Uh, the Bible says it is more blessed to give than to receive. She became a giver. Uh, it is more blessed to give. To be a giver rather than a taker. Uh, I've preached on that scripture before. It's more blessed to give than to receive. In other words, people are known more by what they give than what they receive. And we need to be like that. No matter what, we need to be that kind of a church. That's what kind of church I want to see evolve and, and, and develop here. And we're, we're like that, but we've got to stay on the, stay the course. I just got back from meetings with Pastor Sonny. 
And he had a good assessment of our region, you know, and of our church and our ministry. Uh, he was really taken. I'm glad that he came. It was, it was God's timing. Uh, but, but listen, we, we, we got to press on. We, we, we got to, one thing Pastor Sonny was saying, he was saying, you know, when it came to give, he spoke on giving last week. Okay, and then we picked up pledges, and he says, listen, Steve, if you're going to be involved in, an, in a fund, stay at it. Stay at it. Uh, matter of fact, he said, man, you, you know, you, didn't you go on a, on, a, on a cruise? You guys shouldn't even be going on cruises because you got to be geared to what you're doing. And I said, oh, okay. But I had to explain. I had to explain. Sonny, I said, Sonny, we've been in the building for two years. We've got to do something. But I know what he was trying to say. He was trying to say, listen, if you're going to have a fund, have a fund. Don't rest till you knock these things down. Don't rest. Stay at, steer the course. Uh, he says, I know. I've, I've been doing this for a number of years. Get that thing and stay at it. Stay focused. And that's what it's going to take people like Lydia. Focused. Because uh, foc we got to do this thing. And we got to do this thing together. And I, I, I come back resolute. Adamant of heart. You know, we're, we're going to get this thing done. Uh, we got to get it done, people. Because there's so much. Look, look at the, the, the crowd we had yesterday. If we, if we built this place to seat 850 like we're doing, man, we could do all kinds of stuff, as I said before. Uh, we wouldn't have to go out. We, already, we did Shake in the Bay here. Next year we could even do, have stuff inside. We could have five-day revivals with big evangelists. Hallelujah. Neva Blanco, hallelujah. Uh, he's evangelizing in Washington, D.C. today. Uh, whatever your hand finds to do, do it. With all your heart. All she had was a needle and thread. But look how far she went. Despise not the days of small beginnings. Uh, a church is known more by what it gives than what it takes in. More blessed. More, more. There's a word more. To give than to receive. And thank God that we were able to go to South Africa. And be a blessing there. And it's still, the Macedonian call is there. It's there for us, people. Uh, I've been there. I know what the, what's waiting for us. Matter of fact, we just got an email, and I told you last week about the guy that he gotten saved. Uh, that was his mother had called into the radio, and then he, we picked him up on Sunday, took him to church. Last Sunday, his mother went with him, and she got saved. Uh, and she got saved. Now they're both going to church together. She was telling the pastor, because he emailed me, she says, I can't believe the change that's happened in him. She's all happy. Uh, and it all was behind your giving and your doing. We got to keep it up. I want every head bowed and every eye closed. Despite of the days, a small beginning. Lady developed a passion for service. A passion for service. We have to have that. We have to have that. If you don't have that this morning, search your heart. Search yourself. Hallelujah. Passion for service. Not serve us, but service to God. Because every head is bowed. And every, every eye is closed. This was a sermon to the heart. This was a sermon, I pray, of inspiration. Coming from God's word in regards to a lady who went to church thinking it was same old, same old. Ch church again. But no. God was there to meet her in a special way. She got saved, born again, converted. On her way to heaven that day. 
Prior to that, she was just a worshiper of God. But that day, God opened her heart. Would this be the day that God would open your heart and save your soul? Would this be the day that God would open your heart for service to Him? Despise not the days of small beginnings. Because God can make that into a big thing. Pastor Sonny and Julie started just by themselves. Now we have tens of thousands of members of Victory Outreach and growing every day. And today is a day to grow as well. As every head is bowed and every eye is closed, you say, Brother Steve, this sermon was for me. I want to be a minister. And listen, you don't have to have the label minister. Yesterday, we were making the altar call and I can still see him right now in my, in my vivid imagination, my mind. As the altar call was taking place, as people were coming to the altar, as a young man was preaching, God using him behind the microphone to make an altar call where hundreds of people were coming forward. The man that used to be the preacher yesterday's teacher walked to the altar to go help people and win them to Christ. He taught the preacher, but he wasn't preaching. But I saw Joe Romero going up there because he saw souls coming to Christ. That's what a real minister is. You don't have to have a title to be a minister. Joe saw the need and he was filling it. That's what I said in the beginning of my sermon. That's what a minister is. When he sees a need, he can't help but go. Paul responded immediately. I want to pray for those who say, I haven't been responding like I should. I can't really say, Brother Steve, that I'm, I'm really ministering. Because when I see the need, I don't move like I should. And I want to do that. I want to do that. I want to respond. Listen, it's going to take a whole bunch of ministers to do what God has called to do here. And not my ministers by title, but ministers by deed to meet the need. Matter of fact, that's the title of my sermon. Deeds to meet the needs. Deeds to meet the needs. Deeds to meet the needs. 